The toilet paper has been picked off the shelves again. On the one hand, I'm alarmed to see us go back to hoarding. But on the other hand, at least it looks like people are planning to stay home for a bit. We'll talk about it next on Access Louisville. Stay tuned. joining us. My name is David Mann and joining me today is Haley Coffin. Hi there. Allison Steins. Hello. And Marty Finlay. How's it going? Access Louisville is a weekly podcast from Louisville Business First. Each week we bring you the latest news and the sharpest opinions on the city we love, Louisville, Kentucky. Now, Usually I start the show with a silly question, but I'm going to dispense with that this week. We'll just get right into the COVID talk. Uh, I just don't feel like being silly and then going into COVID talk and then, uh, and then going, going back uh, to something silly. So we'll just we'll dispense with the usual routine and, and just get right into uh, what's going on with COVID shutdowns. And Marty, you have the latest news on that, which came out. Uh, this Wednesday, uh, we're recording on Thursday, and I think pr- people will probably hear this, and it'll be after Friday. So, um, so Marty, what is the latest on the shutdowns? What are we seeing? Yeah, so probably the big, the big ticket item that everyone was talking about is the uh, the uh, ban, basically, on indoor dining services again. So you can do outdoor seating, you can do carry out delivery, but really got to shut down those indoor dining and bars too. They've got to shut down. Um, their uh, their indoor uh, spaces. So, mm-hmm. uh, of course, that's been as Haley's going to talk about here shortly. That's been contested already, but uh, that was probably the big thing. But there were some other things. They've uh, limited the number of um, you know those private social gatherings. You know that, that official number was ten people or less. Now it's eight people or less, and really saying you know limit that to two households, your household and one more, uh, which was a little bit different from his recommendations, which was nobody don't get together with anyone. Yeah. the actual recommendation <laughs> but the mandate is a little bit more lax in that you can get together with one more household i yeah. mean i'm assuming you know that everybody's tested negative and no one's got covid so mm. uh really wanted to keep that to two households also with like events like weddings and funerals you know limit those to 25 people or less per room mm. and also applies to movie theaters which i know movie theaters a lot of them are closed right now still but mm. there's just so there's no movies so uh, that's probably less applicable to them but um and then certain businesses are going to be operating at 33% capacity, bowling alleys, gyms, um, uh, swimming pools, for those that are still like uh, the indoor pools that are still open. Uh, so those were the big ones um, mm-hmm. yesterday. Uh, once again, hitting a lot of, a lot of key areas that uh, saw, you know, similar restrictions early on in the pandemic. But as he said earlier this week, we're not shutting everything down. We're really trying to be more targeted with what we're doing this time. Mm-hmm. And it's for a shorter period of time. It's about a three-week period because so it'll go on effect tomorrow and uh, plan is to be done with it by December 13th. So, so Marty, th- there was like a Supreme Court decision last week that, well, A, the surge led to this, but the Supreme Court mm-hmm. decision, the Kentucky Supreme Court decision, kind of paved the way for this, right? Yeah, I mean, uh, there was some definitely some belief out there that uh, Bashir may have been waiting uh, to do anything like this because these case, this case was still up in the air. Of course, mm-hmm. there were several businesses and the attorney general who had challenged, you know, the 
uh, constitutionality of some of his orders, or in case of the Attorney General, most of his orders. Mm-hmm. And so the Supreme Court came back and said, you know, under moments of uh, emergency, where which is a state of emergency has been declared, and it has in this case, the governor has pretty wide and sweeping powers to do these kinds of uh, steps to protect, you know, the public health. Mm-hmm. So uh, the Supreme Court sided with him. Of course, now there's talk about, you know, potentially limiting, trying to limit his power through the legislature and change the laws. So mm-hmm. that might be a fight we see in, in January and mm-hmm. early next year. But, um, but yeah, so that definitely, you know, at least some people feel like that paved the way for him to feel like he had the, the latitude to do this without worrying about another, um, you know, ch- uh, challenge, yeah. legal challenge. Now, there could still be a legal challenge, but with the Supreme Court, Supreme Court backing him, it's less likely to, to, be, uh, to go anywhere. So. You know what will be funny if it takes the legislature like a couple of months to rein in his uh, uh, emergency powers? And it's just exemplatory of why a governor has emergency powers, because he can do things mm-hmm. very quickly, whereas it'll, I bet it takes the, uh, the state legislature at least a few months to decide what to rein in and all that. Um, mm-hmm. And that will, I think that would exemplify why we give a governor the the authority to to have emergency powers so that because they can act quickly and you know the legislature mm-hmm. maybe wouldn't have to wouldn't act as quickly because they would be having uh some of the uh you know the debates that they have not that there's anything wrong with a healthy debate um so indiana also had some shutdowns too right uh i'm talking about clark and floyd county i think you wrote about both of them this week it's new albany and Jeff. yeah yeah, they're not really shutdowns. They're just more kind of pullbacks, I guess you would say. Because yeah. Indiana had been operating mostly normal. They still have the mask mandate, still, you know, emphasizing <laughs> social distancing. But everything else was kind of back to normal. Restaurants were open. You know, retail was open. And, and every, you know, I know in Clarksville, I live in southern Indiana. So a lot of activity, a lot of people. Like the roaring around. 20s over there. It's really been really uh, bustling over there. And so Clark and Floyd, the, the – the Indiana governor had basically come back and pulled back his plan and said, you know, under his executive order, you have the latitude now to kind of make your own rules. You can pull back on some things if you feel you need to beyond mm-hmm. what the state's doing. So that's what these health departments are doing. And they've pulled back um, capacity, seating capacity in restaurants to 75% from a hundred. Uh, that's a big change from uh, Kentucky, which has been operating at 50 for several months now. But uh, they've been pulled back to 75%. And then another thing was a curfew essentially put in for bars and both Floyd and Clark have to close at 10 p.m. Uh, the difference is, is that the Clark um, order goes into effect later and is not as long mm-hmm. um, as the Floyd County. Floyd County is going to be in effect for about a month at least. Uh, but the Clark County order is only going to be in effect for a couple weeks. So, but yeah, they're also seeing, you know, in Indiana, they're seeing a surge of cases much higher than that Kentucky is. I mean, today they had over 7,000 cases. So really, I think there's some pressure to kind of rein things in a little bit in Indiana too. Yeah. Things have, I think the whole time it seems like Indiana has had more cases. Of course, it's a bigger state has a much uh, higher population, but uh, I think even per capita, when you look at it that way, um, it seems there's been more cases there. Uh, Haley, you've been calling restaurants all day long and I'm sure you're exhausted. Um, I'm a little worn out (laughs) and I'm I'm a little depressed. And (laughs) um, I bet after hearing from, uh, you know, some of the people who are affected by this, I'm sure it is depressing. So, 
Um, so what have you been hearing from them? I mean, you, we were talking a little earlier. You said a lot of people were surprised, which I thought was, um, I didn't think people would be surprised. Yeah, well, they're not really surprised about the new restrictions on them specifically, but I think they are surprised by the shutdown of dining rooms. Um, I, I heard from several of them that they were expecting, you know, 33% capacity or 25% capacity or restrictions on the size of tables that they can seat to like four people or five people. Mm-hmm. Um, but a lot of them were caught off guard by the dining room shutdown, um, with mm-hmm. the exception being Chef Edward Lee. He was like, I knew Bashir was going to go all out um, after I saw what was happening in Chicago and some other areas. Um, Edward Lee was the one who kind of, he said he knew the writing was on the wall that they were going to shut down dining rooms again. Um, Mm -hmm. So yeah, they were all very surprised um, for the most part. And honestly, you know, the $40 million um, that they have set aside to create a fund for independent restaurants um, while they say that that is nice that they're getting something for being forced to close. It's not really enough um, to cover much of their overhead costs, let alone, you know, any payroll. Mm-hmm. Um, so I heard a lot of concerns about, you know, their employees and their staffing levels and how, you know, they're worried about having to furlough people for three weeks right before Christmas when people are really counting on their holiday paychecks. And, you know, for servers, um, Christmas time is like the biggest tip season. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, you usually make a lot of money um, during Christmas and that time of year. So they're very concerned about their employees and having to lay people off, but they're not financially able to keep anyone on anymore. Mm-hmm. Like there is no money, there's no PPP, there's um, there's not really any, any way that they can keep people employed during this time. So um, it's kind of being stuck between a rock and a hard place for the next three weeks. And they're all very hopeful that it's actually just three weeks and that December 13th doesn't get pushed back um, through the rest mm-hmm. of the year. Yeah. And um, I mean, it's really, it seems like a failure on the federal level that we end up in this situation where and we have um, businesses that are forced to take these steps or they're forced to endure these steps and, uh, and have absolutely no safety net. I mean, it's, well, they have a safe safety net from the state. That's not enough. You know, it seems like um, other countries have done a better job of making sure that uh, businesses can keep people on the payroll uh, when they are, when we're going through these shutdowns. And I don't know why Congress wouldn't want people wouldn't want businesses to keep people on the payroll because that's going to, um, there's going to be fallout to that. Uh, like you said, I mean, I mean, this is going to have economic impact through the holidays and um, you know, that's, it's called black Friday for a reason because people go into the black on that day. And, you know, I mean, this year it's just, it's going to, it's going to hamper a lot of economic things to have that happen. So um, there's also a school's element to this and Allison, I'm glad you're here today. You can kind of tell us what you think. I mean, as far as what you're seeing on uh, from schools and uh, and shutting down as a result of the heightened COVID cases, you know, how are you feeling about that? Well, with uh, my kids have not stepped foot into uh, their schools this year since <laughs> yeah. uh, they do go to JCPS schools. Uh, I know I have a couple friends that uh, their kids are in private school and they've done a mix, kind of a hybrid kind of thing where they've been in class on some days and some days at home. So now they're going to be 
at home doing the virtual learning. And with JCPS, I, I was holding out no hope that they were going to be opening anytime mm-hmm. in uh, this year. I could see maybe next year at some point, uh, maybe after spring break. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know my kids are, one kid is wanting to go back to school. She knows she learns so much better in person. And I would like that for her. But the other one is wanting to, she's fine staying home and doing virtual learning. And then I know that for me, it's a lot easier being able to work from home and being able to manage them. But I know for so many people, it is Mm -hmm. so hard to figure out how to have their kids learn virtually and work and do everything you need to do. I think it's, it's just, it's such a hard thing. Yeah. Marty, you were talking about that earlier today. Um, Just getting used to um, helping, uh, helping the kids and uh, staying at home and working too. Um, Yeah. I actually, before I jumped on this call, I was doing helping my daughter with her homework right before we jumped on here. So yeah um so are you are you guys marty or allison are you guys uh looking forward to a day when they can go back or um do you uh do you like things the way they are um i guess considering the safety aspect do you, that that's that's got to make give you some peace of mind anyway i prefer the safety aspect right now knowing that they're my daughter's here with me she's not out being exposed to God knows who. Mm-hmm. And also I'm just taking it one day at a time, man. Like I've stopped trying to think ahead. I, I was always a planner. Like I like to think way in it, way ahead. And I just can't do it anymore because I go batty if I try to think too far ahead and this mm-hmm. stuff. So I, yeah, some kind of, I almost have found some serenity and just taking it day by day. So yeah, that's the way to go. Yeah, man. <laughs> it is. I know I'm pretty happy how it is right now and for the safety. And I think about the kids having to ride the bus and just how much monitoring of kids there would have to be to make sure kids are, you know, using hand sanitizer from their wearing mask and all that mm-hmm. kind of stuff. It just here. I can see what they're doing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine. Um, let's see here. Well, I think um I think that's gotta be uh comforting and um I guess we'll see. I mean, uh vaccine news has been uh a big uh topic this week. There's some good news there. Um uh, two of the pharmaceutical companies, the big pharma companies, um Moderna and Pfizer uh, both have reported very positive results in uh, phase three clinical trials for their um, for their COVID-19 vaccines. And um, it looks like they're going to ask for what's basically an emergency authorization, which I think I read that that's never been done before. They've never uh, they've never done that for a vaccine. They've done it for other drugs. Um so I don't know. I mean, how closely are you guys following this vaccine news? I've been looking at it since freaking March. I've been saying, where's this vaccine? Where's this vaccine? It's good to see some stuff finally come through. Um, I'm happy to to read about it, but I haven't been like closely following it because um, I try to, you know, doom scroll as little as possible and uh, 
tried try to check you know the major news outlets only like once a day and what's the opposite of doom scrolling because i would say the vaccine news is the opposite of that well i mean you know the vaccine news is coupled with like uh you know 250,000 deaths and refrigerator trucks coming to indiana to store the bodies but um anyways uh yeah, I've been following it um, just, you know, for that ray of sunshine and maybe a light at the end of a tunnel uh, that has, we we didn't really know the end um, mm-hmm. before and now it seems like there's some kind of definite end coming. Yeah, we've, there's been no end in sight for, for this whole time, basically. And now you can see that and you're like, okay, maybe that's the end of this stupid thing we've been doing for a year now. And they're talking about early vaccines, as, you know, some vaccines as early as next month. Uh, I would imagine that would be for the uh, the healthcare workers and people who are really out on the front lines and then maybe getting distributed to the rest of us uh, sometime early next year. How, how soon are you guys going to go out and get this? Um, I'm, I have faith in medicine. I'm not an anti-vaxxer, nothing like that. Uh, but I am, you know, a little leery this time because it was rolled out so fast. Uh, so I definitely won't be the first in line to get it. Also, I wouldn't be allowed to be the first in line to get it. Uh, so that's not really a conflict, but as soon as I can see that, uh, you know, the, you know, when it's my turn, I think to get that vaccine, I think I'm going to go right out and get it. And, uh, you know, if, if you're afraid to get it, that's your problem, I think, because I'm just going (laughs) to get back to my normal life and, uh, you can have fun with your, uh, your quarantine at that point. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm in the same boat as you. Uh, since we're not you know, we're not essential workers and we're not healthcare workers, we're not going to be in the first groups um, to get this vaccine. And you know, if they think it's good enough to give to you know our nurses and doctors that are you know keeping the country afloat right now, then it's good enough for me to take um, whenever right. it's my turn. Um, so I'm all on board. Um, but a fun fact: uh, I have never gotten a flu vaccine, and I've never had the flu. Um, knocking on all sorts of kinds of wood, <laughs> but um, it was just never something that I did and still haven't done and ha- haven't ever had the flu. So maybe I'm flu immune. <laughs> I get it most years, but it's like by the time I get it, the flu's all around me and it's like February and I'm like, ah, I got to get a flu job. <laughs> but I should have gotten it done like in November or whatever. Uh, I hadn't done it yet. I had my flu shot in September. Good for you. That's the way to go. Um, I haven't gotten one this year. I think it's because I'm just, I'm like, I, I'm not going anywhere right now. So I don't need it. <laughs> but, uh, but you know, I think the doctors are still recommending that you go out and get it. I haven't had a flu shot in several years. I can't remember the last year I got it. I've had the flu once and it was when I was a kid. So, yeah. Um, but as for the vaccine, I talked to, uh, my parents have been very on the, I'm very leery of the vaccine and I'm staying away from it. And then I talked to them last night and they're like, no, forget it. I'm sick of this. I'm totally getting in line to get the vaccine. Yeah, me too. So they've had, they've had, like a com- they've had like a complete 180, like, because they're like, it's not, if it's 95%, sign me up. I'm, I'm, I'm going to be there. I mean, yeah. I mean, if people's arms start falling off in the healthcare industry, then maybe I won't get it. But, uh, <laughs> But if if they're fine, then, you know, by the time it gets to me, it would probably be May or something. Heck yeah, I'm I'm all over it. Yep, me too. I was going to say something else there, Marty. Um, Oh, well, I guess it'll come back to me. 
speaking of flying places, uh, switch gears here and talk about the story Marty did on the top flight destinations um, out of Louisville, which it was fun to do that story this year. Marty, you do that story every year. It's more interesting this year because of COVID. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I would have thought that that list of places would change and there was there would be maybe fewer uh, business destinations. I mean, did you mm-hmm. get a sense that it did, that there were more leisure destinations or did this look kind of the same as it? I looked at I looked at the list and compared it to previous years and last year's data for the same time period. This is through. So this is the first two quarters of the year. So there was only about two months or maybe a month and a half of COVID in this. Mm-hmm. So we'll get, you know, the the third and fourth quarter. So later on, we'll have a better idea of what COVID did to flying. But well, um, there was, I would say that it included the, the majority of the summer. It included, May, yeah, it included March and yeah. March, April, March, May, April and, So it did get, it did get the first few uh, months there. The, the, the rollout of COVID. We were all COVID out summer. in June. There yeah. were people already over so, it in June. It's true. There were people going to Florida. <laughs> yeah, so exactly. I uh, wasn't shocked. Orlando has been number one now for like, Five years, I think, probably because of Disney and because you can get all of the other parts of Florida pretty easily but through, through Orlando. Sure. Um, the one I guess you, I think you mentioned, um, not to skip too far ahead, but you mentioned like, are you, is there a surprise? I'm not surprised with the business locations on there. Uh, the, the city that I'm always surprised in, I shouldn't be because it's only all the time, is Charlotte. Maybe it's just because it's a below the radar kind of business city, but yeah. It's always like really like so many that many people going to Charlotte. I mean, I know there's some there's some big businesses there, and it's uh, like such a growing destination. It is. Um, it's like it's growing faster. Um, I did some. You know, we always talk about Nashville being a boom city, and Charlotte's growing faster yeah, than I don't think Nashville. Nashville's and nobody, over and nobody's and talking Charlotte. about it. So yeah. it's like no one's talking about Charlotte, but it's like growing pretty fast. But maybe that's because maybe that's why it, it shocks me, but. And it's still below the radar, I guess, yeah. compared to some other cities like Austin and Nashville. Atlanta, too. Um, that's one of those cities that's just growing immensely. And maybe people don't notice that because it's already big. It's huge, <laughs> so, yeah. But it's going to be, I don't know. One of the busiest in the world. So. Yeah, it's going to be even bigger. It's going to be in the, the top two or three here for, before it's over. Um Let's see here. Now, let me look at my script. I was going to ask you guys, hmm. uh, what is a place on our top t- top destinations list that you've never been, but you think you would you would like to go? Maybe after you get that COVID vaccine. Um, I, I'll start us off here. Uh, you know, I never went to. Uh, I was surprised. Like Phoenix is on here, and I've, I've actually. I've never been to Phoenix and never really traveled out West much. I mean, I've traveled out West a little, but not as much as I would like. So I think that would be the, that's number 15 on the, uh, the top destinations list. Um, I think I would like to go to Phoenix. Anyone else want to weigh in here? I've uh, been to Phoenix three times um, and <laughs> a lot of the West coast. It? <laughs> uh, it's fun. Um, I would, I would start in Phoenix and then like go to other places. Cause like, yeah. why would you spend your whole time in the city when you could go see, you know, Flagstaff and some other pretty areas of Arizona. Mm-hmm. Um, but for my picks um, of places I've never been, but would like to go to, I'd like to go to Boston or Philadelphia. Um, I haven't explored the East coast very much at all um, outside of 
you know, I think I've been to Washington, D.C. and New York City and like some of the major cities, um, but not Boston or Philadelphia. And now I have a brother-in-law who lives in Boston um, and his uh, girlfriend uh, lives there with him. She works at um, Neiman Labs, with, which is a journalism thing at Harvard. But anyways, I'd like to take a trip to Boston whenever this is all over and, you know, have a free place to stay. <laughs> Marty, did we ever get that flight to Boston? No, nah, we're still working on it. But last time I checked, they were like, "Wait, like, there's no direct flight to Boston." No, that's the, this is a connector for, connector to, to Boston. Okay. This well. has, yeah, this goes this list includes both connect, connecting and nonstop flights. Okay, I was oh, gonna say I, I swear Boston was on the list. <laughs> I, it I was, but it it's, it's a connecting flight destination. I, I would also second Boston because one thing that I often want to do is to do the whole like. One big New England trip where we're going for like three weeks and we spend yeah. a, we go all over New England and you know Boston, Philadelphia, go up to Maine, like go all the way. I don't know when that'll ever happen. Probably twenty years from now. But me and like my wife did Boston at, like maybe ten years ago, and it was like the best vacation we've been on. Like we just love Boston. We went to Cape Cod as well, and uh, it's just a beautiful place. And if you're into American history, it's a great place to go. The Freedom Trail and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. It's really interesting to to look at of course you can stop into cheers as well which is kind of silly i mean it's the cradle of american history and i stopped at a place where an 80s tv show was filmed (laughs) (laughs) anyway allison (laughs) uh i think i would go out to los angeles california nice nice and that's a new flight too but you know what? I don't fly because I'm so claustrophobic. The thought of getting put into a plane freaks me out. And I've flown before, trust me, but it's been 30 years. Yeah, I, um, I'm, I fly, but I don't like it. I hate every second that I'm doing it. Um, My husband is very <laughs> afraid of flying as well. Um, he almost like had a meltdown when he went on his first overseas trip to Ireland with me on our honeymoon. He was like panicking, like sheer, wow. like... Yeah. I didn't know if he was going to make it off the runway. <laughs> oh, my chest is already and heavy thinking it, about that. Oh. Part of it is the claustrophobia. And like the planes are so crowded anymore that, you know, the seats are just getting smaller and smaller and you get in there and you can barely. Oh, I'm for that. sure like nervous <laughs> about being in a plane, especially after a pandemic. Like, I feel like I've always gotten sick after trips, like just in general, like yeah. had a head cold or something from being in the airport and breathing in everyone else's air. But now I'm like definitely uh, freaked out about being so close to people on planes, even though they've said it's relatively safe. Because I of the guess. filtration, yeah. Yeah, but still, <laughs> no, I'm nervous. <laughs> yeah. I love flying. Like, I'm like the stupid kid that's like sitting in the window just looking out like like a puppy dog at yeah. the clouds. <laughs> so I love it, but I'm not, I'm not too eager to get on a plane right now. I think if I, I, do I enjoy the experience. private jet, I would love it. Like, if, if, I, yeah. if I could stretch out and, you know, not just be well, up and stuff. I, I love it. I used to cover the U.S. Army, and they would always let me go flying all their helicopters. And and I, every time I got a chance, I was in every rickety thing that they had. And <laughs> you know, I didn't care. like even if they had like I went on a Chinook and they had the hatch open. So like, pretty it's pretty scary. I mean, the ground is right there. You mm-hmm. know, like the hatch is open. You could just kind of blow out. If, um, but yeah, I was I just really enjoy it, being up in the air. I like the engineering and science and logistics of it all, but um, 
but I just don't like the experience. And it's even worse during COVID because they don't serve drinks. And I need a drink to chill out when I'm on a uh, when I'm on a plane. Um, <laughs> um, let's see. What was I going to say, Marty? If you go to I think Bowman Field, you can mm-hmm. uh, sign up to like ride in a biplane, and that's just like a ride. Oh, sweet! So. I flew at the Golden Knots <laughs> once. The group that jumps out of the air air the airplanes oh like and synchronized i didn't jump i didn't jump out i just went with some people that did jump out and they were all swearing and like they were all panicked and sweating and it was pretty oh, funny man. to watch these guys but then <laughs> everyone else is out of the plane but me and our photographer and then they start doing like flips and loops and stuff i was like i did not oh. sign up for this part please they did stop flips this that would free they were doing i don't think i, I was like flips. yeah they're like going <laughs> sideways and upside down i was like okay please stop <laughs> i like flying but this is no a thank fun. you yeah that's why i wouldn't ride one of those biplanes uh man they're just uh i think they just kind of do all the stunt flying yeah i was pretty dizzy when i got when i finally got on the ground i bet i guess you could probably ask them not to i was like will you please stop (laughs) yeah that's rough all right well i'm gonna wrap it up there unless anyone else has a flight destination talk did i have another question on that i can't remember Oh, what is something that you're surprised to see on this list? I guess I was surprised to see Boston. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I was more or less just surprised that uh, both Dallas and Houston were among the top two or among the top five, I think, destinations on the list. I can't remember if they were top five or they were definitely up there. They were top five, yeah. Yeah, and I just thought it was surprising. I thought they were. I thought two Texas destinations. Um, what are people doing in Texas? <laughs> but yeah, I thought the Houston was uh, surprised me. Yeah, well, I did the baseball games. I did combine <laughs> um, with a few of those. I combined because they were on the list twice because they have two airports. So oh, okay, gotcha. but when you combine the numbers, they would be the number three and four destinations. Of course, Dallas and Houston are two of the, two of the biggest cities in our nation, so that might yeah. be part of it. Dallas is another one of those cities like Atlanta. It's, I mean, it's just, just it's growing. It's a big growing business destination. Fast. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, we'll wrap it up there. Uh, let's uh, go around the room here. You guys can share your social media handles where people can find you online. Um, Haley, I'll start with you on this one. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at BFLU Haley, H-A-L-E-Y. And I'm also on all the other social medias. All right. Um, Allison, how about you? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at BF Lou Allison and of course Allison Steins on LinkedIn. All right. And Marty. Yeah, I'm at BF Lou Marty on Twitter and I'm on uh, LinkedIn under my name. So right. trying to get better, getting a little bit better with LinkedIn. So I think every, all of us, like, we all realize we should be on LinkedIn more. Um, we're the business people, right? So we should be there. Um, you can find me on Twitter at BF Lou David and on Instagram at DMAN3001. Of course, on LinkedIn, too. I'm also trying to work on that one. Um, if you like what you hear, please consider subscribing to the Access Little on popular services like Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify, Stitcher, Radio Public, or wherever you like. Thank you very much, Allison, Haley, and Marty. And thank you guys for listening at home, and we'll see you next time. Bye.